Hello, my name is Patricia, the host of the Haiku P podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to season four, episode 21. It's all about the seasons. And today I have a workshop for you on seasonal references in haiku. You can listen to it here in audio or on our YouTube channel. And in a couple of days, I'll put the video of the workshop on YouTube. If you want to read the poems I'm going to use in this workshop, you'll be able to download them in the show notes on the Poetry P website. Do go and have a read. Now, before I go on, let me just say thank you to everyone who's gone along to the website and bought me a coffee. The good news is I'm 92% of the way to being able to afford my new microphone. Thank you very much. And I have a little plea for you. I need people to come forward to be community judges next year. I do have a few already, but you know what? It's lovely to hear new voices on the podcast. Although, if you do feel a little shy about hearing yourself, I'm quite happy to read your commentary for you, and you can join the panel to discuss the poems. That bit's not recorded, but it's fun to meet with other poets. Everyone brings something new to our understanding of haiku. And I have to say a very, very big thank you to everyone who's done it so far this year. And next time, for Long Haiku, we're going to hear from Robert Horobin, Giddy Nielsen-Sweep and Vandana Parashar. I'm looking forward to recording that one. Now, shall we talk Kigo again? I know we've been thinking a lot about it this year, but that's because it's potentially one of the most important constituents of your haiku writing. So let's get going with the latest of our workshops on Kigo. This time I ask the question, what can the season add to your haiku? I have a few examples that I'd like to read to you and talk about. Now there are lots of points I could make about these super poems, but this time I'm going to contain myself to speaking just about the use of the season. And at the end I'll draw some conclusions from what I've read. I hope you enjoy these poems, and if you'd like to reread them, they will be in the show notes on the Poetry P website. Hunter's Moon Two vampires pursue the bus to Peckham. Hunter's Moon Two vampires pursue the bus to Peckham. Wintierson from Presence, issue 70, July 2021. Here the use of Hunter's Moon defines where we are in the calendar year. This moon follows the harvest moon and places us in October. Why Hunter's Moon? Well, before we could all go out to the supermarket and buy whatever we wanted, people actually had to hunt for their food. And this was the best time to do it, while the animals were at their peak. It could be seen as a dangerous time. The animals themselves could turn on you, and hunters have in their hands serious weaponry which could also do some damage. To me, using the hunter's moon adds a little bit of menace to the poem, which works nicely with the image of the vampires. On the one hand, if you take the idea of the vampires seriously, the poem continues in a menacing fashion, 
But as we find out that our vampires are pursuing the bus to Peckham, we can surely tell that this is a tongue-in-cheek illusion. The erstwhile menace adds to the humour of the piece. I think that in using these seasonal references and linking it with the vampire, Wintierson has managed to communicate in a global way, hasn't he? Halloween, people dressing up in scary outfits, has become a global notion. And you don't always find that in English language haiku. Winter arrives early. I tie mum's shoes in double knots. Winter arrives early. I tie mum's shoes in double knots. Susan Antolin, in her book The Years That Went Missing. In this poem, Susan makes no bones about it. She clearly and immediately states her season for us. Winter. And it's significant that it's arriving early. She juxtaposes the early onset of winter with the vision of someone, probably herself the poet, tying her mother's shoes, which suggests that her mother's ageing process has accelerated and that something is amiss if she's having to tie her mother's shoelaces. But what else does the use of winter suggest to you? To me, it suggests desolation and bleakness. Could this have been any other season? I have corresponded with Susan about the poem, and we both agreed that spring and summer would not be appropriate. Nor would autumn. Susan rightly felt that the use of autumn would suggest the normal ageing process would be taking place, and that's not what this poem is about. The use of winter also suggests that we're dealing with, the, with an older person, which is confirmed in the second and third lines of the poem. And furthermore, because Susan has told us that winter has arrived early, she suggests to us that this older person is old before her time. No other seasonal reference would work. Now let's look at another season. Spring Café. Buying a moment to dream. Spring Café. Buying a moment to dream. By Jenny Fraser in A New Resonance 12. Now I asked Jenny what was going through her mind when writing this and she said, it was such an uplifting spring moment of anything is possible. The world is a creative whirlpool. Spring! And again I asked myself, could Jenny have used a different season at the beginning of her poem to achieve the same result? The feeling of anything is possible. And I don't think so. Spring and allusions to spring are joyful and hopeful, aren't they? But just to test it, let's try the poem out using other seasons. Autumn Café, buying a moment to dream. Now it sounds a little bit mournful, doesn't it? But the fragment and the phrase don't work well together now. Let's look at how the use of the season dictates your choice of words. So in spring you can dream, but in autumn you're probably pondering, and in winter you might well be looking back. So we'll try it again with different seasons and a change of words. Autumn Café, 
Buying a Moment of Contemplation Autumn Cafe Buying a Moment of Contemplation Winter Cafe Buying a Moment of Reflection Winter Cafe Buying a Moment of Reflection The phrase and the fragment work much better together in the last two poems, but they are very different poems. And that's because of the seasonal setting. Fallen leaves flatten under rain, the mailman's cough. Fallen leaves flatten under rain, the mailman's cough. Alexander B. Joy, Mayfly, Issue 64 Alexander Joy has put us fairly and squarely into the autumn season, and to me this suggests mid-autumn, which highlights one of the problems about the use of seasons. They can mean different things to readers in different areas. Here in Switzerland, we may have snow-covered ground by late autumn, but in Alexander's poem, the leaves are off the trees and a flat, and in my head anyway, squidgy mess because of the rain. So here it's probably not early autumn, when we can enjoy the leaf colour on the trees. But if you were to shift to my hometown of London, where snow probably won't appear till December at the very earliest, you would have this poem the whole of the autumn season. Either way, often autumn evokes sadness. And I don't know about you, but I find his imagery in this poem pretty miserable. Which isn't a complaint. It's a compliment. I think he uses the season extraordinarily well to promote that feeling. By linking the autumn leaves to the mailman's cough, he creates a sense of anguish and gloominess. And I admit that reading this during times of Covid does give the cough a new sense of alarm. But the poem was written pre-Covid. And one last point to make about this poem. Notice that the season is integrated into it. It's not the fragment, but rather it's part of the phrase. Now what do you think? Does this work as well as highlighting the season in the fragment? And lastly, I'd like to compare two poems by the same author. Stanford M. Forrester, from his book The Toddler's Chant. Winter wind, a crow leaves behind its core. Winter wind, a crow leaves behind its core. April morning, the crow too has a song. April morning, the crow too has a song. Now here you can see how the use of different seasons creates a different tone and different emotions within the poem. In winter, Stanford's message is forlorn. In spring, far more upbeat. You can clearly see how the change of season has affected the way Stanford has described the voice of the crow. In winter, the voice of the crow is described as a core, a harsh sound, reflecting the harshness of winter. Whilst in spring, the crow's voice is described as a song, a much more pleasant and uplifting depiction of the noise the crow makes. 
So what have we learnt from looking at seasonal references today? What does the season add to your haiku? I've highlighted a few points. It gives context to your poem in terms of time. It adds to the tone and the mood of your poem. It evokes or triggers emotion in your reader. It connects you to your reader and can be used to suggest ideas to your reader. And a few final points. The season you use dictates the words you choose to write in your poem. And the seasonal reference doesn't have to be the fragment within your poem, but it does have to make sense. Now if you're integrating the season into your poem it's not such an issue, but if you're using the seasonal reference in the fragment of your poem, there has to be some definable link to the phrase. So that's it. Thank you very much for joining me for the latest workshop from Poetry P. Do please go to the website and reread the poems I've spoken about. In the They'll be in the show notes. Please sign up for our mailing. I don't want you to miss anything. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss future workshops and readings from Poetry P. Now, as I said already, we've done a lot of work on Kigo this year, and yet I'm still left with some questions. At the beginning, I said that a seasonal reference is potentially one of the most important constituents of a haiku. And as I did my reading for this episode, I discovered that not everybody agrees with me. Why am I not surprised? What do you think? Do you think... Seasons are still relevant to haiku? And here's another thought. When we write our haiku, are we writing about our relationship with nature or our relationship with the season? There's a constant debate on whether we can have two seasonal references or more in a haiku. I saw a little video by Patricia Machmiller on the Yuki Taikai website. My apologies if I'm not saying that right, but I'll put a link in the show notes. Patricia speaks about having more than one seasonal reference in your haiku, and she makes a very interesting point, so do go along and watch it. But here's another question for you. Can we have a reference to two different seasons in one haiku? Now... I'm debating that one back and forth in my head at the moment, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sometimes, when I'm putting together an agenda for the year, I wonder if I'll run out of things to learn about. And then I do a topic like this, like seasons, and I know we could do a full year just talking about different elements of that topic alone. It's okay, we're not going to do a full year, but we may well come back and look at those questions sometime in the future. I really would be interested to know what your thoughts are, so do please email me and let me know what you're thinking. And speaking of the future, I have in mind the first few topics for next year, 
and I'll soon put them up on the website. But do go along to the website and sign up for the mailing to make sure that you hear all about them. We're going to start writing original haiku again in February 2022. Seems like an awfully long way away, but it'll be here soon. But never fear. There will be lots of interesting content, readings and workshops between now and then on the podcast. So don't forget to come along and have a listen. I'd really like not to be talking to myself. One last reminder that next time I'll be reading your original long haiku in Senryu. That podcast is already in production and I'm really looking forward to bringing you some outstanding work. Just as I was putting this podcast to bed, the Yukitaikai Haiku Society Members Anthology 2021, Susurus, arrived in my postbox. And before I end today, I want to highlight something contained within it. In November 2020, the Society had their 45th anniversary and Zoom retreat. And Emiko Miyashita, Dojin in the Tanai Ai Haiku Society, Zoomed with them from Tokyo to talk about her own haiku journey. I wasn't there. Time difference is a bit difficult for me. She too spoke about Kigo. She felt that it is the heart of haiku and the thing which gives it authenticity, reminding poets that we are seasonal beings and live in the seasons. She quoted this poem by Basho. I'm sorry, I don't know the source nor the translator. How many, many things they call to mind, these cherry blossoms. How many, many things they call to mind, these cherry blossoms. I think she may well be a woman after my own heart. So, I'll see you next time for Long Haiku. But until then, keep writing. If there's something missing from the show notes, just send me an email, let me know, and I'll sort it out for you. Ciao!